Have you ever thought that you're not living your best life and could be happier if you didn't have a condition like PCOS, colitis, migraines, anxiety, depression, hormonal issues, or skin issues? Have you ever been passed from specialist to specialist or you're waiting for an appointment about a physical or mental health condition and felt worried, frustrated, depressed? Or have you ever wondered how to go about being the fittest that you could ever be? Stay tuned. This podcast may change your life. Hello, everyone. And welcome to the Eat, Burn, Sleep podcast. I am your host, Yalda Alawi, nutritional therapist, inflammation pioneer, and the founder of the Eat, Burn, Sleep platform, an acclaimed gut health and anti-inflammation platform, which is helping thousands of people around the world reach optimal levels of physical and mental health, and guiding them on being the best versions of themselves and ultimately effortlessly. Throughout the series, I'm going to educate you about how all aspects of health are connected and give you some insight to the eat, burn, sleep technique that I have developed with aim to give you some tools to tune into your best version so that you are living your best life, your way, in your corner of the world, a lot stronger happier and a lot healthier without extreme measures. In each podcast, I have invited various individuals who each have their own fascinating stories to share and that will help further educate yourselves on nutrition and physical and mental health. I also invite specialists in their field, whether it is physical or mental health, to help you understand further the connection between gut health, chronic inflammation, mental health, immune system health, and physical health. I am so grateful that they are joining me. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about codependent relationships with Steve Burns, a coach specializing in codependency and addiction. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Let's dive right into it. Hello, Hi, Steve. Hi, Yalda. We're doing that conversation today, are we? We are. Scary, 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 scary relationships. So effectively, we're going to talk about relationships, right? And the difference between uh, healthy relationships and uh, not so healthy. That's right. Yes. So would it be helpful if, uh, I described uh, a what we might term as a codependent relationship as a starter for ten. Yes, that sounds great. So lots of uh, psychologists talk about kind of relationship uh, addiction. Uh, codependency tends to be defined as any relationship where either one or both of the partners are more invested in the quality of the relationship than they are in their own sense of happiness or well-being. So typically in a relationship of two, uh, there tends to be one person who has, dare I say it, relatively low self-esteem. 
and therefore is playing a very passive, subservient role in the relationship uh, because they're terrified of losing the relationship and therefore will do anything uh to try and make the relationship work and then there's a more dominant person in the relationship where they tend to be more controlling uh they tend to make the decisions uh and that tends to uh help them feel happier in life so codependent tends to be two parties in a relationship uh where at least one of them is uh, invested in the 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 relationship to the point of bordering on insanity because they're terrified of losing the relationship. So typically they're going to struggle with uh, trust issues. They're going to feel guilty about taking time for themselves. They're going to be uh, having a preoccupation with a partner's behavior or well-being. They're going to feel uh, difficult to express their real emotions. Um, and ultimately their mood is going to be beholden to what's going on in the relationship at any given time and their happiness and well-being again is going to be uh, directly correlated with what's happening in the relationship does that make sense it does so let me give you um some examples of of codependent relationships so um let's do the first which is easy husband and wife right so uh a conversation I'm having on a very regular basis. Uh, the wife, uh, mother of kids, kind of sacrificed her career to become a full-time mum. Uh, husband turning into workaholic. So from the husband's perspective, he uh, is looking for his wife to be mother of children, chief bottle washer, but then work comes as the priority so his focus is not connection it's not love it's not fun it's not uh being with their partner it's work the work the wife self-esteem already struggling because she's kind of sacrificed her career looking for uh, uh a feeling of um well-being validation confirmation from the relationship but because the husband's looking the other way She's sitting there uh, feeling incredibly uh, upset that she has nothing going on in life other than the relationship, which is not fulfilling her emotional needs and her husband's off doing the things that he wants to do. That scenario is something that I probably have worked with 250 women over the years. Don't get me wrong, codependency isn't necessarily, you know, the woman has the most self-esteem and the man uh, more controlling. It can be the other way around. But because uh, uh, the fairer race uh, tend to make compromises at the point when kids are born, so often I hear that story where the wife is looking for all of her validation, confirmation and self-esteem in her life directly from the relationship. So her entire focus is on the quality of the relationship, whether it's her partner, isn't. And... Clearly, you know, that creates an awful lot of stress and angst in the relationship. Another example might be a daughter and a mother. So uh, a daughter may well uh, be very clear about what she wants for her life. uh, But her aging mother uh, is struggling with health issues. And the daughter makes decisions to put her aging mother's problems uh, and challenges ahead of her own. So as opposed to investing uh, in her own happiness and well-being, 
she's investing in someone else's. Uh, and invariably, again, that's that I hear that kind of scenario all the time where, uh, because we're in codependent relationships, because we're trying to save the other person, because we put the other person's needs ahead of our own, we walk through life living a life of quiet discontent. I suppose I can give you one other example, codependency. Um, the 25-year-old living at home where um, the parents are doing anything um, and everything in their power to try and motivate and save the uh, the child so they can go out and build a career and uh, and the like. But the child's just sitting there playing on the computer and basically doing nothing to create any of his own traction in life. Again, codependency. The parents um, are not putting their own well-being first. They're trying to put the well-being of, of the, uh, the son or the daughter first. And that's to their significant detriment. So what you see in each of these examples is I, as a human being, are going to put someone else's needs first. Uh, that's going to be detrimental to my life, to my well-being. But I'm terrified of losing the relationship. So I will just continue on putting their needs ahead of mine. That makes sense? Absolutely. So basically, codependency is when people don't take charge of their own happiness. There you go. And they, they instead, they put their happiness, uh, they stake it on the quality of a relationship or even not losing a relationship. Yes. So in the, in the example of husband and wife, um, I have to say, when you spoke, when you were describing this, I was thinking, I have been there. And, you know, I, I had this amazing career in the city. I was doing really well. But my working hours, unfortunately, did not allow me to be a mom and work. I know many, you know, people say you can have it all. You can have it all probably, but it depends on the kind of job you do. If you have to be on the trading from, from half past six in the morning until half past five, six p.m. in the evening, well, you can't be with your children. You can't be at two places at once. Um, so I made the choice to put my career on hold and, and take care of my children. And my then husband actually said to me, oh, I, I, I understand that when you do that, you're not going to get the reward. You're not going to get the bonuses. You're not going to get the accolades that you're getting at work, but I will make sure to make you feel valued at home. I'm sure his intentions were good to start with, but the reality of it was exactly what you've described. He was looking in one direction and I was, and I very much felt like I had sacrificed my career. I've be, I felt that I had become less interesting I'm not saying that women who stay at home are less interesting at all, but what I experienced is when I was going to dinner parties, when we were social, I was just the wife of because I was a stay-at-home mom. Yes. And um, so that participated in me not feeling very valued. Well, take it further, Yelda. What happened as a result of you not feeling valued is that you put a greater emphasis on the validation, confirmation, connection with your husband. So it's kind of a snowball effect, right? So you're already feeling a little bit insecure because you've kind of lost a major part of your life, your career. 
Uh, and therefore, as any human being would do, you're looking to compensate. So you want more out of the relationship. But husband's busy building uh, his career and kind of seeing you as, as mother of children and, and chief bottle washer and therefore not really giving you any of the kind of connection, time, fun, enjoyment that you're looking for. And then suddenly you have a relationship that's codependent where there's going to be unhappiness because the status quo is you're looking for more out of the relationship as a result of some of the sacrifices that you've made, but you've been cast in a role where actually your husband's getting everything he wants from the relationship. You're doing a great job with the kids and you're doing a great job with the house and he gets to go and do what he wants to do, which is focus on his career. Yeah. And so and then, what's, what's the solution to this? The most important thing to begin with is to become aware of it. You know, the yeah. single, it's so often I meet people where they're just going round and round in circles. They're doing the same things in the same ways. And guess what they're getting? More of what they've already got, right? Uh, so I meet lots of people in codependent relationships where they're just working harder and harder and harder to try and get that sense of validation and confirmation from the relationship. But as a result, they are further damaging the relationship. Just being aware of what codependency is and just that huge difference between me being primarily invested in my own well-being, my own happiness, versus making the other person uh, front and center my primary focus. Being aware of it suddenly means that I can choose to take a little bit more responsibility for me. And look, the reality is that... Uh, the first thing that needs to happen is both parties need to acknowledge the problem, acknowledge the problem that there is, uh, there is an unhealthy relationship here where one or both of us are kind of taking a pass on our own sense of self-belief and self-esteem and happiness, or both of us. So recognizing it is a first start. Obviously, that requires two people to be able to communicate and empathize which again, in codependent relationships, that's not always the case. But the first start is being aware of it. So I often sit here with my client and for the first time in life, they're suddenly aware of this codependency in their relationship. The next thing is for each individual, but if I'm working with, let's say I was working with you, Yalda. So the first thing is for you to understand the nature of the relationship. This is codependent. Then I would look to, create an environment where you start to take way more responsibility for your own self-esteem, for your own happiness, for your own well-being in life, as opposed to making it dependent on another party. Well, once we've done that, it's really important then that, that you would communicate with your partner where you're setting healthy, healthy boundaries, where you are having the tough conversations, where you're no longer allowing yourself to be just going round and round in circles. And, and look, you know, I think everybody listening, the hardest thing for us to do is to have the non-emotive, tough conversation with someone that we love and to speak truth. And then lastly is to, to, as a result of that communication, to have kind of a shared vision between the two of you of how you want the relationship to go. Again, I, I'm amazed I do a lot of couples work. I'm amazed how I, I meet with both parties individually first. And I asked them to describe their kind of vision for their future. And it's, it's like chalk and cheese, you know, having two people where 
they are quite literally facing the opposite directions and wanting to wanting different things in life makes it pretty tough. So first of all, become aware of the issue. Secondly, take more personal responsibility for your own life, the way that you think, feel and behave and satisfying your needs around love and connection. Um, learning how to communicate that in a far more um, unemotive, undramatic way to become a better challenger uh, of the other person. But ultimately, uh, a relationship takes two to tango, right? <laughs> Unless both parties are, are willing to accept there's a problem and uh, deal with it, invariably relationships will fail. And how about couples where the woman is at home Um, the man works, but the man gives her all the reassurance, all the validation that she's looking for. Is that still codependent? Say that one more time, Yelda. Sorry. Uh, Editor, my apologies, but I missed the question. Go again. (laughs) How about couples where the woman is at home taking care of children and the man is working, but the man gives the woman all the validation she's looking for? and satisfies her need for being validated. Is this still a codependent relationship? No. Uh, to the extent that two individuals are happy and both of them are living their own lives, but if you like, one and one equals two and a half, that's utopia, right? I think all of us dream of being in those relationships where we're independent of the relationship. We have our own self-esteem, but the relationship adds to the quality of our life. In that kind of situation, everyone's a winner. The problem I see is that invariably, one and one is equaling one and a half in an awful lot of relationships where one of the parties is very unhappy because they're not having their unconscious psychological and emotional needs met. Yes, that makes complete sense. And uh, so... I'd like to understand where this comes from. Well, is, uh, go on. Is this, is this childhood patterns or could you have very healthy childhood with healthy role models, but yet fall in a codependent relationship? Far, far, far more likely that you have come from a family where codependency exists. So uh, that might be a scenario where there's been an addict Uh, as one of the parents or where there's an unhealthy relationship between the parents and we kind of learn through experience right so that formative conditioning that we receive during our formative years when we watch the big people and how they maintain their relationships and how they look after their sense of self or otherwise we learn from that i mean an awful lot of people in codependent relationships where they've been told their whole life they're just not good enough And because they started to believe they're not good enough, they're looking for validation and recognition for another human being. And if they don't get it, they don't feel good enough. Now, I'm looking for validation and recognition from my wife, but my self-esteem is entirely independent of what she thinks about me. Don't get me wrong. I'm desperate that she loves me and wants me. Uh, but I absolutely understand that I'm an independent human being and that my self-belief, my self-esteem, my emotional well-being and my happiness is down to me. It's not down to us and it's not down to her. It's down to me. Yeah, very interesting. And why? Um, so when you, you, 
you've described these codependent relationships where in the examples you've given, the wife is looking for validation. And we understand this comes from the fact that maybe she was put down as a child or had an, a parent that was an addict or parents who had codependent relationships. So that was the model in her head. Yeah. For the person who's controlling and getting pleasure from that, where does that come from? Again, that tends to be something that we learn during our formative years. So uh, there's many people that grow up believing that um, being a persecutor of others, the school ground bully, is the way to go. They've learned from uh, a parent, they've learned in the school playground, that actually being highly judgmental, critical, and ultimately mean and punitive is a way to make them feel better about their own life. So again, they've learned that. And as they walk into their adult years, that's their model for a relationship. So they're looking for a partner with low self-esteem where they can get away with manipulating and bullying. And there's lots of the, the partner comes from a relationship come from a family where they didn't get the love they were looking for. So they're just looking for any kind of love, whether it's healthy or not. And there we go two two people form a, a codependent relationship based on their needs as a result of their experiences during their formative years. And that pattern will continue until they become aware of it. And invariably in that pattern, uh, using the roles that we've said, the, the wife will do everything in her power to try and make the husband happy. She will forego her happiness just to try and get validation and recognition from him. Uh, and if she's not getting it, she'll feel anxious, stressed, uh, increasingly jealous uh, and the like. Uh, and the husband in that situation, well, he's as happy as he can be because he's getting what he wants, which is the wife just doing everything in her power to shine the light on him and make him make him what this relationship is all about. People tend to come to see me when... The, the party who has the low self-esteem and who is trying to garner uh, validation and recognition, love from the relationship of failing, when that person gets to a point where they just feel broken and they tend to walk through the door. And it's amazing just holding up a mirror how quickly us human beings can just see this for what it is and, and start to make changes. And what about um, the role of the prosecutor, um, the the bully, what would make them understand that doing this doesn't actually make them feel good about themselves and it's just um, destructive, destructive of a family, destructive of a couple? Why? Because I understand but for someone who's being the victim in this, that they would und- that they, how they can see with a mirror that they need to stand up for themselves, go and find happiness in other places. But what about the other one where... Is that person's needs going to be met if things are fixed? And how would they see that? Well, nothing's going to be fixed uh, unless the person who's kind of doing the the uh, the rescuing, the person who's desperate to try and feel that sense of love and validation, the first part has to be that person being aware and taking responsibility. So I've worked with hundreds of clients where as a result of the work, they have created some new resources, three things, courage, self-compassion, authenticity. So they've created a level of courage 
where they can actually look their partner in the eye and have a real conversation about how they feel. They've uh, created a, a pool of self-compassion where for the first time they're putting their own needs first. And then they're being authentic. They're not being who they think they need to be in order to make their partner happy. They're being true to themselves. Now, in my experience, when that conversation takes place, let's say within a marriage, the, the party who is the more controlling uh, of the two, one of two things generally happens. One, uh, they refuse to accept it. Uh, they maintain that the problem is with the other party. Uh, they try and demean them. They try and put them down. They try and make them even feel more secure, in, more insecure. Um, and sometimes that works. Uh, but ultimately, if it doesn't, the relationship will end. Um, or it's amazing how many times I've heard wonderful stories where one party has turned up their sense of courage and self-compassion, authenticity, and they've learned the language to describe uh, their needs and wants, and they've garnered the inner strength and, and uh, mindset where they're very clear if they don't get it, they're going to walk. It's amazing how many times the other party has changed on a sixpence. And suddenly, yeah, if this is what you want uh, and this is what you need, let me see if I can be that person. But again, the starting, the starting point has to be honesty, and talking about the real issue, the That's nature amazing. of the relationship. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Um, when, when it comes to uh, codependent relationships, can they be outside of romantic relationships? Of course. Apart from parenting, could they be between friends? Of course. Where Absolutely. Uh, codependency is not restricted to husband and wife, family, or, or anything else. There's, I, I speak to loads of clients where they've got codependent relationships in work. Where, for example, I'm working with a client currently where they have put their boss on a pedestal and basically they've put all of their own physical and emotional needs on hold and their only means to feel some level of pleasure or well-being in life is to try and satisfy a narcissistic, actually, boss who doesn't give a toot uh, about uh, said client and is very happy just to use and abuse because that works for them. Um, I can talk about codependency in terms of addiction. So uh, someone, uh, I work with lots of people where they come in here, they're not alcoholics per se, but they have a really unhealthy relationship with alcohol and it's codependent. It's codependent in that, uh their belief that they can't live a happy life without forming that relationship and using alcohol and therefore it becomes a similar kind of scenario where as opposed to being a victim to my relationship with my uh, wife for example i'm now a victim to my relationship with alcohol interesting yeah interesting. we are we are um complex little creatures yelda and relationships are at the very heart of our ability to smile more and frown less and man they're hard because we're born with all sorts of insecurities and it is so easy for us to fall into these codependent patterns where 
We're just not taking responsibility for our own stuff, our own happiness, our own well-being, our own wants and needs and desires in life. And without doing that, very difficult for us to live a happy and fulfilled life. Yes, absolutely. I um, I completely agree with that. <laughs> I uh, So I'm quite curious about people with parents who have either co- codependency between themselves or codependency with a substance and addiction, how does a child see that pattern and reproduce it? What happens in a child's head? Well, let's, let's go down the route of um, uh, a child who's got a parent who is an alcoholic. The one thing that we know is that that child from that parent is not going to get what they need i don't like the word need but a child needs emotional reassurance needs a genuine connection with their parent as a means for them to grow emotionally healthy when said child doesn't get that love that confirmation that validation from that parent they will seek it elsewhere Mm -hmm. And they can seek it elsewhere in a very codependent way where they're going to do everything in their power again to garner some level of love, affection, confirmation, recognition from someone else or something else. So typically it's the the, the child's response is, uh, unconsciously, I'm not getting what I need, so I'm going to go out and find it. But obviously as part of them not getting what they need from their parent, beliefs are formed that it's it's... It's about them. It's not their parent. You know, how many uh, eight-year-olds with a, uh, an alcoholic parent is, is going to really understand that the alcoholism is the, the parent's responsibility and nothing to do with them and that uh, everything else being equal, normally they would be getting lots of love and affection, but because of their parents' pro- we, we no one explains that to us kids. We, we tend to internalize it. And we tend to work on the basis in part it's our fault. And therefore, we go down the route of I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I have to work harder in a relationship to make it work. I will sacrifice of myself. I will be the perfect partner to the person that I end up with. Uh, and um, my happiness is far less important than my ability to now maintain this relationship. And there we so go. interesting. Yeah. And would that apply for a parent that's absent So a parent who's alcoholic or or there physically, but not really mentally, would that happen with someone who, you know, lost a parent when they were young or raised by a single parent? So, So there's two things, two very different things we're talking about. One is I'm trained by codependent to be codependent. The other is as a result of what's going on in my family life as a child, I'm not getting the love and the recognition and the validation that I'm looking for. So my mind goes off and finds other ways to achieve it. And invariably that can be via uh, addiction, via codependent relationship with another person, whatever the case may be. Very interesting. So let's say someone is in, is an adult, whatever their age, and they're listening to this podcast and starting to wonder, you know, oh, maybe I have this going on. What is your advice to, to, for such people, what's the, the first step to heal from this and start forming healthy relationships with coworkers, with your boss, with friends, with love interests, and maybe your own children as well? 
Uh, those three words, courage, self-compassion, authenticity. So the courage, the courage to be honest with ourselves, the courage to look in the mirror and be clear about where we're at, the courage to start talking about this, the courage to go and talk to someone about this. It starts with courage. Self-compassion. Self-compassion is about putting oneself first and then and only then worrying about other people. Self-compassion is about learning how to set boundaries and protect them. Self-compassion is learning how to have the tough conversations when people are stepping over those boundaries. And then three, you know, if we, if we don't choose to be authentic in life, if we choose to walk through life trying to be that that we think other people want us to be, we're not going to be happy and we're going to live a life of quiet discontent. So I would say to, to anyone, you know, the starting point is write those three words down and, and imagine if you could turn up those three words. So uh, if you could turn up your sense of courage, if you could turn up your sense of self-compassion, you could turn up your sense of authenticity, what would be the conversation you would have with your partner? And it's yeah. often an exercise I, I suggest that my clients do, which is, in a parallel universe where um, I've controlled your mind and suddenly you feel like a more courageous, self-compassionate, authentic version of yourself. Specifically, what would be the conversation you'd have with your partner? I would add in a little bit, you, you touched on before um, some of the roles in the drama triangle. So kind of that victim role of poor me. So I would advocate write that letter, not from a position of a victim, poor me, but much more in the sense of, this is what I hoped for in the relationship. This is what I feel like I've got. Um, and this is what I would move towards. So a more logical, rational kind of view. But the starting point being, get it down on paper, but on the basis that you've turned up those specific resources, because you'll end up with something that is far more helpful. Yeah. Fascinating. The, something you've heard me say a hundred times, if I've said it once, Yelder, is easy conversation, tough life. Tough conversation, easy life. And too many people in codependent relationships are avoiding the tough conversations because they're terrified of losing the relationship. You know, I would always say to someone, if you gave me a choice of a year of living a happy and fulfilled life versus 10 years of living a life of quiet discontent, I'll take the former every single time. Thank you very much. I think there's one other thing to say, which is, you know, we fear losing these relationships and therefore we acquiesce to, uh, you know, someone else's kind of controlling personality or the like. I'm yet to meet the human being who isn't able to get past one relationship and then find another. I'm yet to meet the human being who isn't able to get past that relationship and find another. Don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting it's easy like falling off a log. But there are healthy relationships out there for all of us. It starts with a healthy relationship with ourselves, but then just being very clear about looking at the other party and just questioning ourselves as to whether uh, actually we feel able to communicate honestly with them about our needs and wants and fears and whether they respect our boundaries in the way that we would want them to. You know, there's... Um, there's a wonderful uh, video by Brené Brown called The Anatomy of Trust. Uh, okay, about, I will link it. It's, I will about, link this. it's about 20 minutes long. It's got 
And trust is obviously at the very heart of any relationship. It's got some wonderful kind of insights in there around what trust means in a relationship. And part of that is that I can kind of trust you, Yelda, to have my best interests at heart. I can trust you that when I make a mistake, that you will be um, gracious in the way that you uh, see it. And you'll kind of be on my side in terms of um, helping me trying to make amends. Mm-hmm. I see so many relationships where that's not the case, right? Where it's all about persecuting the person who's made a mistake and demeaning them and putting them down and so on and so forth. So Brenny Brown's got an awful lot to say on this subject, I think is, is yeah, it's really interesting uh, and quite profound. Fascinating. I will make sure to link this. And also for all our listeners, we have another podcast where we are um, going into deeper into the drama triangle which we have brushed over quickly here so i invite you to listen to that as well um steve thank you so much for this fascinating conversation i hope it inspires you all to have a look at the you know the relationships you have with people around you and to gently establish boundaries if they need establishing to gently um establish self-confidence from yourself rather than putting others down if you're that kind of person without blaming yourself you know we have all learned these patterns from other people and we're not perfect this is not about judging people this is very much about all of us growing together and learning more about how we can live a better life physically mentally because happiness less stress leads to lower inflammation levels And as a result, leads to longevity, less chances of disease. It is all linked. So this podcast is very much about bringing people like Steve who help you be a better version of yourself. You can find happiness. Sorry, Elder, my apologies. (laughs) You've inspired me. I just wanted to say happiness is an inside job. That's kind of what you've just said, right? Happiness is an inside job. And if you work on the basis that, your happiness is your responsibility. It is a fact that the happier you are, the better you will perform in every aspect of your life, from your relationships to your mothering, to your career, to whatever the case may be. And what you're advocating is take responsibility for your happiness, right? Yeah. And that goes through what we're talking about today, which is looking at yourself with compassion, uh, with kindness and taking the steps forward. But it's also self-care, I was, before we started this podcast, I was talking to Steve about the fact that I had a little setback and I decided to stop feeling sorry about myself for myself. So I just got back on my mat, started exercising, got to bed early because you need sleep for your brain to function well, started eating better. So I produce all the neurotransmitters, serotonin, melatonin, GABA to feel happier and look at myself in this way. So for a lot of people who, who, who follow my work, I just want to emphasize that I'm not perfect and I get setbacks regularly, but they inspire me to share more with you. We are all on this journey. It's not about perfection. It's about nurturing our body and mind. So if you have listened to this podcast and you're, you're feeling a sense of guilt because maybe you have these patterns happening in your life, just be kind to yourself look after your body, look after your head, go and find Steve. If you want to talk to him, I'm going to link his website, the therapy lounge. 
um, and invest in your health. It's your most precious, most valuable asset. <laughs> Uh, I uh, I have a little note stat on my computer elder that says the following: If you don't make time for your wellness, you'll be forced to make time for your illness. Let me say that again: If you don't make time for your wellness, you'll be forced to make time for your illness. I've said right. Exactly. Very very wise word. It's well, been a pleasure. Likewise, thank you all for listening. Um, go and check thetherapylounge.com eatburnsleep.com to start your low inflammation journey if you haven't yet and I look forward to talking to you during our next podcast thank you Steve I hope that you have enjoyed this podcast thank you for listening be sure to subscribe and rate it and share it with your friends in the meantime most importantly Keep happy, keep healthy, and keep the inflammation down. I invite you to check eatburnsleep.com for articles, videos, and recipes, all helping further educate you on chronic inflammation and enjoy your life to the fullest. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.